1: more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting
2: really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
1: i never win and tell
2: well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. play for free right
0: now
1: are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details if you're off to the uk for a match you can't guarantee a good result but you can guarantee 0% commission on your sterling with OnPost. Get it in cash or on the handy OnPost Money Currency Card. You don't even need to pre-order. Just drop into your local post office and pick up your sterling today. Terms and conditions apply. OnPost Money Currency Card is issued by PPS EUA, pursuant to licence by Mastercard International. PPS EUSA is authorised by the National Bank of Belgium and is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland for conduct of business rules.
3: Welcome along to the great runaway train of barely concealed disgust that is the bloodandmud.com podcast episode 81. I am Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com, and the usual gentleman over there is...
4: Uh, I'm Josh Gardner of rugbyshowwatch.com.
3: He certainly is, and like a signal box of happiness to puncture our miserable journey is the proper journalist type person and West, best dressed man in Western Europe, 14 years on the run, Mr Paul Williams. How are you, Paul?
0: Good, good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Not too ah, bad. Not too bad. <laughs>
4: We'll he be doing says sh- Not too bad in stereo, which is a, the most British thing imaginable,
2: <laughs> really. Isn't yeah, it? isn't
3: it? Very British responses.
2: <laughs> now, we'll
3: be doing shit good later, uh, as we do, but one nomination we've had already, and you need to share this now, is that Graham Love has got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud and said that shit is all our fashion attempts compared to Paul's.
4: I mean, that is true, without a doubt.
3: <laughs> do you own a pair of slingbacks, Paul?
0: I've got a pair of everything. <laughs> that is the right answer. You name. Know, I've got uh, any clues that have been made in the Western world in the last 25 years. I've got one of them.
3: And that's why we've got him on here. People in this non-visual medium. <laughs> yeah. You can get in touch with the pod at blood and mud. That's me or Lee at blood and mud.com or there's blood and mud.com and all of that kind of stuff. And Josh, how do people get in touch with you?
4: Uh it's at Rugby or indeed uh, at rugby dot com or at Josh Gardner if you're that inclined.
3: And what about you, Paul? How do people get in touch with you?
0: Um, I'm at, at the Paul Williams on Twitter. Lovely.
3: Do you engage with people who talk to you on there as best you can within reason?
0: I'm on there permanently. I've got <laughs> like twi- I've got like Twitter O C D.
3: And you've got a it blue tick, definitely- which you know we're not at all jealous about.
0: No, not I've, at all. I've got the tech now, yeah. Why, quite how they've given me that, I do not know, but they'll have a job taking it off me. <laughs> this pot <laughs> is available. Because worried that
4: somebody might attempt to sort of impersonate you and, and dole out rugby wisdom, and it's not actually rugby wisdom at all.
0: Can you imagine like who that imagine? unfortunate individual would be?
3: <laughs> Speaking of rugby that wisdom, you can... You can get this dose of Rugby Wisdom on Acast and Apple Podcasts every week. Subscribe while you're there. Tell your friends. Let's grow this sort of misery that we <laughs> unleash every week. We should be a bit you, know happy
4: say, you know what they say misery loves, don't they? Company, so.
3: Being stabbed? Is that what misery loves? That too. Right also then, company. we're going to look at some news this week. We're going to think about what we learned from the weekend. Then Paul will shuffle away and then we'll also, then we'll do the shit good ratings and so on. And so forth, as you'd all come to expect. Before we do that, I've got a bit of a player spotted, which has come from Will Gaines, and he says, uh, as you know, player spotted, we like to hear the most boring stories possible. At times, you spotted players; anything too interesting will not be allowed on the programme. So, M- Will says, a few weeks ago, I was at the Bath versus Leicester game on the opening weekend of the Premiership, where I encountered Lawrence Delalio. Never mind. While this might seem an obvious place to spot a player and not very interesting, I did not see him at the game, but at the train station as I headed home some hours after. I entered the station behind a very large man. It did not occur to me that it was DeLalio until two young boys came over asking for a picture, which he actually happily agreed to. We then boarded the same train and spent the best part of an hour being excited I was sitting in the same carriage as him while not having the courage to strike up a conversation. How many of us have done that? Let's be honest. (laughs) I did observe him order a cup of tea, however, milk no sugar, in case you're wondering, and spent most of the journey just reading his book. Sadly, I left the train before he did and can report nothing more than this.
4: That is incredibly mundane. Oh, that is so mundane. Wonderfully so. I'm almost
3: in tears here. That that is beautifully
0: banal. I love that.
3: (laughs) It's glorious, isn't it?
4: If only we could have found out what book he was reading. I bet it was, like, a really dour biography.
3: I bet it was John Grisham, let's be honest.
4: Oh, that's a very good shout. It definitely was.
3: Just just like Chris Robshaw <laughs> listens to Keane in his headphones, Lawrence <laughs> Delaglio reads John Grisham.
4: Yeah, no, nailed on.
3: Now, then, let's talk about some news. Apparently, Twickenham is to be renamed. Yes, uh, c- because what the RFU
4: needs is more money. <laughs> Yeah, they haven't got enough money. Jesus.
3: You two come from a country where the where the stadium changes its name depending on who you know waves the biggest check in front of them. What do you think? Well, we are
4: now. Yeah. Good luck anybody who calls it the Principality Stadium, though. Really, nobody has to. Exactly. So then it'll always be the Millennium, and Twickenham will always be Twickenham, whether they call it you know the Barber Stadium or
3: whatever. Which is probably what it will be.
0: That's that's to me, right? Why it's the first thing that every union should do. The name of the stadium. I mean, I've seen today uh, Stephen Brown's quote, Twickenham, the RFU chairman, new RFU chairman. Twickenham is synonymous with English rugby. Maybe there is a different way of doing it. You don't have to have a branded stadium. But to me, you know, talking about extending the season to 11 months, the easiest way to make extra money is to name something that's already built. For instance, if HP Source came to this house tomorrow morning, it is under grand from now on. Will you be called HP Source? Tonight, you would be speaking to Mr. Source. That's happening. <laughs> right? That's happening. I'll be known as that forever. I don't care what my name is. And I, yeah. think, I think it's ludicrous that Twickenham hasn't been renamed already. Massive brands will be after that. I mean, not like the Principality in Wales. I mean... Ugh. You know, you, the the IBMs and Hewlett Packards would be after Twicken and, and yeah. the Nike. You know, that's um, yeah. that's serious money. Well, and I, I don't know why they haven't done it already. It's lunacy. But yeah. well, I always. I mean, I,
4: I'm expecting the Countryside Alliance Arena, to be honest, <laughs> or like, Ukip Park. Now, you know, I've actually,
0: I've had an idea, right, that Ireland, Scotland, and Wales should crowdfund a small company, <laughs> and then we can be in charge of the naming
4: i like that idea a lot. I we would need- I would put my hand in my pocket for there that level of sheer and strange trolling. I'm fine with that. Let's do quid it. Each,
0: 20 yeah. million quid. We can name it what we like. Oh, that would be a great idea.
4: Let's make this happen. Get it is going it like, is it a Kickstarter it or something. Let's do it. Let's find get every person in Ireland, Scotland, England. I mean, let's be honest, let's open it up to the whole world because
0: <laughs> Kiwis
4: yeah, Kiwis will be on, but the Aussies will lit. Will yeah. they? Not just a dollar. They'll give. I mean, presumably most of their life savings to control what they call it. So we could make a lot of. We can make a lot of cash here, and I reckon we could outbid Google. Easily. Easy.
0: Yeah, I'll get that started in the morning, Josh. <laughs> Brilliant.
3: You, you fucking feel better now, the pair of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's is that that's, that's, the, that's you out of your was system. You like? What would yeah. you like?
3: to be called Lee. What would I like is it to be called Twickenham, <laughs> oh, but I would like it to be banned from ever being called Twickers again. I think that should be actually be there should be some legislation for that from ever for, yeah, yeah. for that not to be ever be used again. What I find about I find that rugby a lot gives itself away as the kind of old school old money type thing it is because there's loads of times things are sponsored by things and I think I don't know who the fuck that is. Oh
1: yeah, because there's Especially some kind the of English, private and be. shit
3: like QBE It was like who the hell are QBE? Yeah. There's some business oh, it's insurance. Invest-
4: it's an investment bank, of course it is because yeah. English rugby, in particular, all of their sponsors have a whiff of tweed about it.
3: It is like Lloyd's of London type, really. They're probably going to be sponsored. It's going to be called the East India Bowl or something, isn't it?
4: Yeah, well, they'll be. They're probably. It's probably going to be one of their like current high finance that, partners, like Investec or or CBRE or Land Rover,
3: or, or, Accenture, yeah. people like that. But the, you know,
0: the other clever bit of money, particularly with the World Cup going to Japan. It might be a big Japanese firm. You might see yeah. a Japanese car sponsor come in. So it's, um, yeah, but it's easy money. And I don't know
4: Mitsubishi why you're already in, in with England, aren't they? So, yeah, I wouldn't rule that out.
3: You never know. It is quite sad, though, isn't it? But I know it's, I know it's you know, money makes the world go around. The reality of it, you can't turn down that amount of money, no matter who, how no. much money you make, you know, but it's still, it's still quite sad. <laughs>
4: One one of the RFU's uh, headline partners uh, is Old Mutual Wealth. And, I mean, that goes with Twickenham quite well already. That does go with
3: Twickenham <laughs> quite well. Isn't that what the, the, the winter, the winter, the, the, November, yeah, the, Internationals the,
4: the cool. November Internationals are The November Internationals are Old Mutual Wealth, yeah.
3: So there you go. A couple of suggestions from Twitter. Ian from Twitter said we could call it the Matterson's twickenham turkey ham Stadium.
4: I'd like that, yeah. That's good That's and good. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Bernie Miss... was
4: Bernard Matthews not interested in bidding as well, you know.
3: Is that still a thing, Bernard Matthews? Almost
4: certainly not. But
3: doesn't isn't the guy who's now implicated in this like saying that they killed a chicken last week when they killed it six months ago? Doesn't he own Bernard Matthews now? Probably. Allegedly. To digress. Turkey. Let's not comment. Turkey Twizzlers
4: still exist, so surely Fair Oh no, them. they've been banned. Never mind.
3: So Alan
0: Partridge said the greatest perpetrator of uh, foul. Genocide the world's ever known.
3: <laughs> Bernard Matthews, bootiful. Remember those adverts?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, They say we go
4: off on tangents. They say we go off on
3: Sports? tangents. Right then, yeah. while we're on animals, shall we talk about this lion thing with Scott Baldwin? I mean, the, the,
4: the the extreme lengths that players will go to to not play for Steve Tandy this season <laughs> is getting out of hand. <laughs>
3: I mean, we- just. Come on. I mean the level of stupidity is is it's unfathomable, really. It's I just
4: the video like it was stupid enough until I saw the video. And then it became even stupider somehow.
0: To be be fair to Scott, and I'm not sticking up for it, he will admit what he did was stupid. Oh god, yeah, he will. What choice does he
3: have, Paul, exactly?
0: (laughs) I know. I know, but I've seen the video, and a lot of the players were, you know, stroking. Oh the yeah, flag, was, they the were site. all as thick as you
4: each know. other.
0: S- scrum halves who rely on their hands, one hundred percent, were their stroking Simba. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But I've... I'd like to see it kick off, you know, in the same way as the ice bucket challenge. I'd quite like that to be <laughs> picked up now right by the Pro Fourteen teams, and I would like to nominate Rob Evans of the Scarlets to kick a hippo in the nuts. Why not? <laughs> on the next tour? <laughs> on the next time they go to South Africa. It's got to be
4: some sort of like local wildlife-based, like danger money-esque kind exactly. of challenge. Well, you see, um, yeah.
3: in the old days, <laughs> or when I, when I was playing, you know, the, the, what you used to do is you used to try and do the best steal from the opposition clubhouse, didn't you? And on Monday morning, yeah. the steward would ring your club steward and go, can you give us back our fucking 1977 New Zealand pendant, please? because you know your lads have taken it. So actually, that's a bit old school now. It's a bit analogue. In a digital world, I suppose now the challenge is, on the away trip, which is the most dangerous animal you can get yourself yeah. fucked up by, basically?
4: And it, I mean, until this year, there's not really been a lot of peril involved in away trips in the pro-12, you know? <laughs> I mean, like a cow will give you a nasty nip. or The wind you know, blows quite hard
3: in Galway. That's you know, Yeah,
4: that's... there are, there are, are wolves in Scotland, technically. Yeah, but, you know, it's clearly the the, the, left, the tariff of difficulty has been raised quite dramatically by South African teams coming into it. So, yeah, let's see, kick an elephant in the face. you want that? Right? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
3: Imagine yeah. how long would your legs have to be to kick an elephant in the face, by the way. That would be that a Luke uh, charterist job, that Luke would
0: Chartres
4: be. could definitely do <laughs> yes. it.
0: Chartres could do it, no problem.
4: Yeah. He wouldn't even have to lean back.
3: But there is a, symp- there is a sympathy problem, isn't there? It's, it's, you know when people get eaten by sharks and you're like, well, stop yeah. going in the fucking sea then where sharks live. There's, a, there's an element yeah. of this, isn't there?
4: There is a bit. But I, I do feel, because as, as Paul says, they were all doing it. No. And I, I they weren't all enjoyed... touching
3: the lion's head.
4: No, and that was where he got a bit silly. <laughs> and I also enjoyed the none more South Wales at the end of it was someone filming that for Jeremy Beadle
0: line
4: Hey, yeah, no. a jeremy beadle's been dead for at least 20 years <laughs> most of these players weren't even alive when jeremy beadle was on telly and but... ironically
0: he had a weird hand
4: yes hey you're oh, right yeah, scott baldwin, <laughs> nearly ended up... yeah was it scott baldwin ends up with a beadle hand oh yeah hey
3: but it's at least Beedle. at least scott Baldwin has finally made an impact on, on the international stage <laughs>
4: that is true boom I boom mean, Scott Baldwin, it's not the way that Scott Baldwin would have liked to have been associated with the Lions, but you know.
3: <laughs> Indeed. Let's move on to something more serious just for a second. Alison Pollock and the great head trauma injury of childhood disdain.
1: <sighs>
3: now, I'm not going to go into this too much because it's, it, it's about a week old, this story now. But what I found mm-hmm. interesting was I know somebody who's got quite a prominent coaching position in a prominent mm-hmm. rugby organisation. And he and his comment on it was quite interesting. Now we've all done the bit about she basically the whole of the rugby community came out and said she wants shooting and hanging's too good for her within about <laughs> within about a day of her saying this didn't they? In one hundred forty
0: characters.
3: Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. Very very
4: lucky, two hundred and eighty. Oh yeah. yeah.
3: Any, have any of us got the two hundred and eighty characters? By the way. No. No, me neither.
0: As I, As I said, I'm, I'm going I'm to use those just to put in more unnecessary line breaks in my
3: tweets. You do do that, don't you, Paul? And it also, it seems to un- unreasonably irritate people.
0: At, at least four or five people have threatened my safety.
4: <laughs> and they say people lose perspective on Twitter. I
0: know, unbelievable.
3: Anyway, my contact said, if you read the comments of Professor... Of Professor Pollock. She doesn't actually want to ban rugby. She wants to ban compulsory contact, particularly in schools. That, to me, is wise. Young people should have options to enjoy the sport. It is very easily taught with contact and non-contact options at the same time, which can be delivered in lessons concurrently as differentiated learning. The headlines are hugely misleading.
4: The the headlines that she has done absolutely nothing to... (laughs) <laughs> correct in any way, though, from the interviews that I saw her doing. She was quite happy to.
3: But I think it's, it becomes a bit ad hominem in mean, that the people attack her yeah. and call her Andrew and so Wakefield gets... and things, when actually what I don't say it's right, I'm just saying it's just interesting that there's been very little counter-narrative apart from, from her and a couple of people, a couple of mums in America from what I could see.
4: No, and I do, I, I see where she's coming from, because like Rugby can be a dangerous sport. And, you know, particularly the mods, like all this talk about sort of the long-term impact of head knocks, particularly if they start at a young age, is fucking terrifying. And we should all take it seriously. But, yeah, I I get what she's saying. If it is like, you know, you shouldn't be forced to play full-contact rugby if you don't wish to Hmm. as a kid. Like, if you're just not into it, you're not into it. It was
3: only interesting for me because... This contact mine was saying that actually it's not that difficult to have one group doing contact and one group not, if that is what they you know if that's what the choice is.
4: Yeah, and, and this should always be a sort of staged like, because for whatever reason I never played um, mini rugby, so my first taste of proper full contact rugby was like organised fifteen side school rugby. Is that because you were was, too like, hard? First year. You were
3: uh, too Yeah, hard, straight <laughs> yeah. into the adults at eight. Yeah,
4: well, that's yeah. I was, you know, I was 12 and it was like school rugby first, you know, first form straight into full contact 15 aside rugby. I didn't have a fucking clue how to tackle properly, mm. and I didn't know how to be tackled properly or how to protect your body when you get hit or any of that stuff that mm. you learn when you do like minis. Yeah, and they kind of expected that everybody would know that and didn't bother, and so. And yeah, I paid for it, you know, I took a few (laughs) knocks to the head. I got a few injuries that I didn't need to get because it wasn't instinctive second nature to me at that point. So there's certainly a case that there should be a sort of graduation from, you know, everybody starts doing touch and if you want to upgrade to full contact, you can, otherwise you carry on. But if you do, then you are taught the basics of rugby in a way that sort of allows you to take care of yourself.
0: But the thing is, all of these options are available now. I yeah. mean, you can play ripper rugby where you grip a strip off the back, you can play touch rugby, you can play you know, semi-contact where you're only tackling below the legs. All these options, options exist. I think the reason the rugby community the reason I love coming on you is, you can swear, the reason the l- rugby community lost its shit shall we say, <laughs> is because it's the same message every 12 months from the yeah, same source true. with no more evidence. And yeah. I think you know, I was thinking about just when I was in school. It may not be the, the same now. Bunsen burners are a lot more dangerous than rugby. And we used to have about 25 of those out every single week with a lot of gas pouring through it. They're essentially flamethrowers. Yeah. Get rid of those, then move on to rugby.
3: <laughs> or have compulsory rugby with Bunsen burners.
0: Yeah. That's better. Well, and now I like that. Yeah. of the flaming rugby ball.
3: These kids have gone too bloody soft, so I think they should <laughs> they basically... Are. Have a Bunsen burner fired at them. That'll get a yeah. bloody movie. <laughs> get off your Xbox.
4: Instead of
0: corner flags, we'll have lift Bunsen burners. <laughs> or what about this? Instead of red and yellow cards, depending on the severity, red, you get the flame fired right up, stuck in your eye. <laughs> yellow, yellow a little, a little bit little, further down. Uh, yeah. Maybe on your bum.
4: I mean, it wouldn't. It would say what you like about it, it would encourage, you know, discipline. It would stop people going over the top at rucks, you know.
3: It, there'd be no gouging, would the, there? There'd be no gouging. Clean if you're going right your, to get your eye burned out by a gas flamethrower, there'd be no gouging <laughs> be, going on.
0: And I think we could finally crack the American market then. I think we could, yeah. I people, mean, would certainly, yeah. We'd certainly crack the
4: Filipino market. They're into that sort <laughs> of thing, aren't they?
3: Other racial slurs are available. <laughs> casual racism they are oh, no I know they are but I mean oh, yeah tell, tell you what though yeah if you think how, how well MMA does yeah imagine how what, you know, flamethrower rugby is yeah, yeah. I'm,
0: I'm just saying if, if they can in the morning flamethrower rugby that would be snapped up before you know it so
4: Alison yeah, if you had to pick your, your sports nobody would want to do cricket would
3: they so, Alison Pollock, well done. By trying to make rugby safer, you've now incre- you've now created yeah, Flamethrower it... Rugby. Yeah.
4: And at an international level, we could use those ones that they've got around the side of the pitch to, like, oh, over-dramatise things. Absolutely. Just push them the over.
3: Posts. You could just push them over.
4: Yeah. That's oh, great. That and then just at a random interval, it will shoot across the pitch and they'll have to avoid it. See? We've
0: cracked this. Yeah. Sorted
3: it. There's nothing more to say. Let's move yeah. on.
0: Yeah. Second so, Murdoch could buy that too.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's the future, like garlic bread. Ooh, Peter Kay <laughs> joke. I don't think I've ever been lower. Right. So I was so, going to say, hit
4: these things at the height of their popularity.
3: <laughs> <minute>. <laughs> so what did we learn from the weekend? I'll tell you what I learned. I went to Sale versus Gloucester on Friday. Oh. I, I, learned, how, I learned how Paul lives. I had a press pass and everything. I got a Ooh. pie in the press room <laughs> and everything. It was very exciting. Anyway, what I learned was there is a new form of defense that people hmm. like Farrell need to pick up on which is giving the ball away to a team with the ability of a bag of drunk monkeys in a tumble dryer is a very sound <laughs> way of defending because they had the ball for 67% of the time, Gloucester on Friday. And I am telling you, I, have n- I cannot remember when I've seen a team that clueless with the ball. It they was-
4: were shambolic. It was just shuffling across the back line without any thought. They had,
3: they, they had a one-man-up pick-and-go within five metres of the rook, about three times. And then basically, Sale were putting nobody in the rook, and Gloucester had about four or five people on the floor by the end of all this. Then Gloucester <laughs> went, oh, this is getting nowhere. Let's go out wide. Then they ended up throwing three interception tries or knocking the ball on. I mean, literally, it was actually a really nice day for rugby, a fr- nice evening for rugby on Friday. And that pitch, is depressing as it is, it's a nice pitch. There's, and there was no wind, Nothing and the ball was bouncing off the chest and everything. It was incredible. Well, the key stats
0: that I found, right? So Gloucester, like you said, it's 64% possession, 67% territory, made eight clean breaks, which is pretty good, 21 defenders beaten. They only had to make 85 tackles, and they lost 57-10. So there's <laughs> a lot of
4: other tackles that they
0: weren't even bothering to try yeah. to make, doesn't it? And I know you guys have got your shit good written, yeah. but that shit needs upgrading, Chicken shit was the worst shit I could think of. <laughs> so from the Gower. <laughs> and that stuff is disgusting. So yeah, I think that's chicken shit, those guys. It was unbel- it was awful. Yeah, it was but it's like
4: this is the team that beat Exeter like three weeks ago. No. They are they are not
0: they must be cluster. not panicking, but he must be thinking. Because I don't even know how you can fix what went wrong, because it wasn't as if it was <laughs> just certain elements.
4: Know,
3: it was this, everything. I There's
4: said to dramatic there. It was just they, the players' turned, did not bother turning. I did up actually and ask
3: playing. him in the after the prayer conference I, I said, you know, you know, what do you do in training on Monday after that sort of thing? And he just gave a kind of platitudinous answer about trying hard and you know fixing what what we can fix and kind of stuff. But he came, he came in. He said, "Legend Leon an Ackerman." And we, he, he came in and he had this. You know, he has that kind of strange smile, Johan Ackerman. He's always <laughs> smiling. <laughs> But his eyes, were, his eyes border. were haunted yeah. and wounded. It was really quite <laughs> like upsetting, a, like a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a serial killer who can see somebody better at killing than him. <laughs> yeah, by a power of ten, basically. What else did? What did you learn, Paul? Do you want to throw something
0: in? Yeah, I learned a few actually. I mean, I, the, I thought well, the boxing wallaby game. I thought that was fantastic on the weekend. It I a know great there game. was. I know there were some mistakes, but I—that to me—is the rugby that I want to pay and see. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'm not really into the pure-ish rugby. They can do one. As far <laughs> as I'm concerned, I want. You know, I, th- I thought Sir Fontaine um, was—that's the, the best game I've seen him play for the box. He was fantastic. He was very good. Yeah, Corey Betty on the wing. I thought he had a fantastic game as well. And I think what was interesting: 619 meters carried by the box. And that's a big number for them. You know, they're normally a sort of sub-500-metre team, all done in the forwards. And, to, you know, just to see Etzbeth offloading and carrying the way that he did, it was a fantastic game. And combined, they had 47 defenders beaten between the two of them. And that's an exceptional number at Test Rugby. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. And, uh,
3: it was, I it not satisfied
0: if
4: either of them are any good, though. If no, got... I know what
0: you mean. But if you, I as suppose, as if you think of that game in a vacuum, where the All hmm. Blacks don't exist, yeah, then it was remarkable. It and was then a... you move on to the, the All Blacks. You know, they were a different level again on the weekend.
3: I didn't, yeah, I didn't nothing... even watch the All Blacks game. That's how little I cared about seeing them roll over somebody once again.
0: Yeah, effortless. I mean, it was worth watching for Mackenzie and Borden oh, Barrett. Was
4: brilliant. Yeah.
0: Um, oh God, I mean Borden Barrett, and it was it was really interesting when I was watching stuff on the weekend. No one was coming on here. And we you see Borden-Barrett and Mackenzie; they're not like Carlos Spencer where they do really weird, unnecessary sort of Harlem Globetrotter stuff. You're thinking, what are you doing? All they do are the basics perfectly at speed. See, Borden Barrett, isn't it? Yeah, not doing anything really unusual. It's just everything perfect at about 100 mile an hour. And you can't defend it.
4: Yeah, it's not like sort of with the Carlos Spencer textbook mercurial Fly off thing where they lit half the time, his team doesn't know what he's going to do next. It's like they know exactly what he's going to do next, and yep. that's why they're always on his shoulder or he's always on theirs.
0: And I can't think, I mean, Jonathan Davis is pretty fast at outside half, but I can't think in the pro game of, the, of a of a faster 10.
4: No, he's ridiculously rapid.
0: It's, I mean, it's really weird because even when he, make, you know, normally you see an outside half, they'll make the half break and then pop it to the full back or whoever's on his shoulder. Mm. But that guy can finish sort of forty meter tries from his own line break. It's incredible.
4: Yeah, he doesn't have to wait for the guy with the no. gas to sort of come up on his shoulder he and also, power away. He just has that second level speed,
0: doesn't he? He also, yeah, but go- he can't goal kick.
3: He goes so, more so
0: often. All, he goes, and he's got, he's got his cross there.
3: He tends to, from the pace thing, I think his pace gets noticeable because he goes more often. Mm. That's the other thing. I do think he's willing to go more often. I mean, he is quicker than everybody else, but it's more noticeable because how often he goes. I think.
0: Yeah, no, oh, indeed. What
3: else did we learn, Josh?
4: Uh, I learned that something's not right at Wasps. Like that attacking game this Like remember how good they were last year, and I know they've got injuries, but like their attacking game against Bath on Sunday was just aimless, and they were just trying to sort of constantly go wide when. There was nothing on, and they weren't doing anything to suck defenders in or keep them honest. It's really weird. They've just totally regressed.
0: I think but the it's... big problem there is no Cipriani. I
4: think, that's... I think that's definitely part of it. But like they they were still playing well with Gopeth at twelve at ten last yeah. year, and this year they just. I wonder if it's losing both Cipriani and obviously them not having Curtly Beal anymore. It's like they haven't got somebody at twelve to like properly orchestrate things, but no, and they their forwards look terrible and yeah yeah it's weird.
0: And then conversely I was really impressed by Leicester. Yeah. Because they've got you look you look at that nine, ten, twelve axis they've got now with Young's Ford and Tamua. You know you're yeah. talking about Kirtley Beale. Tamua is Curtly Beal and then some because I mean he can he can put in some big it tackles as well, well yeah He's well, got the lot. I've been really impressed with him and The Leicester backline as a whole, really. You know, I know um, on the wings, you know, Johnny May, maybe not everyone's cup of tea as an international wing, but I think as a club winger, he's fantastic. fantastic, Yeah. Really good player,
3: yeah. And Maloof's playing very well on the other wing. I do think I tipped Leicester to do quite well last year because I thought, I think I said last year that that Tamua is a ridiculously good signer. Then, of course, he got injured, didn't he? I suppose we never saw Tamua. This year, we're seeing what Tamua can do with George Ford as well. Some of their interplay on Saturday was lovely. And um, yeah. and Johnny May, uh, Alvaro on Twitter, got in touch, and it was a very good point. He said, it's amazing how decent he looks when the people inside him run straight. Mm. So he can just do what he... Because he, you know, he has got gas, and he can finish. You've got to give him that. Yeah, He's not if very you just good give him that one-on-one much, on the yeah.
4: outside, he'll be fine. But the premiership in general, like, over the first five weeks, it's about as inconsistent and un- as sort of uneven as I could probably remember it being. Like, one week a team like Exeter or Quinns or Saints or Saris look absolutely incredible. The next, they just look a bit out of sorts or a bit disinterested and sloppy. It's like it genuinely feels this. I, I couldn't tell you who the sort of pace-setting form team is in the Premier League. Like, I was there's nobody that's sort of putting their hand up from the off and saying, we're just going to shit this one. Mm-hmm. Like even Sarries, you know, they've won. You know, they look good, don't get me wrong, but they've not really looked as good as they usually look.
0: Oh. And Similarly uh, with Exeter as well.
4: Yeah. They, I mean, they've been boom or bust. You know, they look really good at home against Wasps. They looked, you know, a bit average away against Exeter. They were not great against Gloucester. It's more... Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Who is who's even top of the league? I know they say Old you Thompson. shouldn't look at the league.
0: Well, there we go. Falcons were temporarily. Uh, and, I mean, there's a there's a team who's playing fantastic rugby. Oh, yeah.
3: And if you, you think know. about Newcastle as well, they're not going to be hammered much coming the international breaks. No. They've got Memo's to come back in, although for him to get back in, you know, Harris and Sosino. I mean, the Sosinos, by the way, the brothers are so good. Oh, they're great, and, aren't um, they? And I think, I'm not saying you can tip anybody to win it, but... You know, a a sneaky each-way bet on Newcastle to finish somewhere near the top would would probably be worth it, I think, because it is...
4: I think they'll definitely get... Because they're going to hold
3: that squad together when everybody else loses shitloads of players, you see.
4: Yeah.
0: And, you know, know, it's interesting that you just said that now because that just shows the importance of having Pacific Island players. Mm. But the Mm. three names you mentioned there now, all three Pacific Islanders, won't be playing an awful lot of Test Rugby. And it's really interesting. I was chatting... Um, they're trying to push the sort of interests and the the welfare of uh, Pacific Island players now. They've set up Mm. a sort of community trust sort of type idea to look after these guys, particularly in France. Mm. And it is weird when you look at the top 40, top 40 in the Aviva Premiership, the amount of Pacific Island players that the top teams rely on is unbelievable.
4: Yeah. Yeah, they're basically, you know, test players without a lot of the baggage that test players have you know they're not going to be away in the six nations you know fiji samoa tonga don't play that many games and you know there's and money's so tight with them that it's you know often a case that they can't even you know afford to pay for flights and things like that so it's yeah you look at the way that bristol are building this season with pat lamb and it's like oh all of a sudden he's signing loads of pacific island players whereas whereas andy robinson's kind of way of doing it was you know trying to get sort of a load of ex welsh players and irish players and english players from other clubs sort of and with the odd pacific islander here or there obviously pat lamb has gone hard on getting islander players in a one because he knows them and he'll they'll play the way he wants them to but also because he knows they're not going to be Fucking off halfway through the season.
3: Yeah. Well, that's what else did I learn this weekend? I learned uh, Aled Brew starts, Bath win. <laughs> no brew, no clue. Yeah, literally. But <laughs> he, he did come off the bench of the week and they still lost. They need to learn that Aled Brew has to start. Yeah. There's no fathomable reason why this is the case.
4: No, but yeah. it is. But well, <laughs> you can't
3: argue with facts, can you? No,
4: exactly. I, that's I, science. I can't be right there? Yeah, I can't be bothered, but I would love somebody to work out a. You know, Bath win percentage with Alan, Alan Brew starting, and Bath win percentage without Alan Brew starting. Yeah. Because w- I'm pretty sure it's shocking.
3: <laughs> I'm sure it will tell us nothing. It's the most relevant yeah. stat ever, and yet the <laughs> most relevant stat. So it's mm. in a way, it's it's like Schrodinger's brew.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what else? Have um, you
3: learned?
4: Other things that I learned this year, uh, this week. Um, I'm. I'm just gonna go there. I. I don't. There's something badly, badly, badly wrong with the Ospreys, (laughs) and not just from a, like that they aren't playing for Steve Tandy, or for the rest of the coaches. They're not even really playing for themselves anymore. Like, the thing that alarmed me most. I was thoroughly, you know, I was firmly expecting the Ospreys to lose to the Cheetahs on Friday. But, like, even when they scored tries. Like, there was barely a smile. There was sort of barely any celebration between the squad. They just looked like they're having a fucking terrible time of it. And that is alarming, to say the least.
0: Because I think one of the big problems that they've got is that it's it's the same thing that Cardiff Blues ended up doing. They've they've got a lot of really similar centres. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the best teams in the top 14 in the Aviva and they've normally got at least one crash ball centre and a ball player, mm. whereas the Blues, you know, ended up getting um, two players who were so similar, you know, in Ray Lilo and uh, Halaholo And now the Ospreys have done re- similar things. You know, they've got James Hook, Corey Allen. And, it, when, you know, at least when they had Matt Avesi, and Matt Avesi, you know, wasn't without his problems. He probably wasn't one of the fittest, leanest centres in the <laughs> entire world. That's uh, one way of putting it, one, yeah. One, What he did was, you know, and he did perform a very specific role for the Ospreys that allowed him to get over the game line and they just don't have that option anymore.
4: No, and it's alarming when you see them attempting to use James Hook as a crash ball centre, which they have been in the first couple of weeks and it's like, really? But even without the ball, you know, take all of the the obvious tactical and recruitment problems, They they just genuinely don't look, they don't care. Like, I'm sure that they do care in themselves, but there's just a malaise.
0: Like,
4: yeah. I don't I think really a good
0: sense. fitness test is that the way that Keelan Giles has been playing, but not the oh, way he's, he's been, been playing terrible, all he's getting. Yeah, I mean, like the end of last season, when everyone was impressed with Keelan Giles and he got selected for the Welsh tour, he was touching the ball an awful lot. Whereas mm. now, and you'd think with you know, they, they're distributing centers at the Ospreys, you'd think he'd get the ball less, but of course it isn't working out that way because the ball is just getting tangled up in midfield because they they aren't getting over the game line. So it is, it's a bit of a tricky situation really. I don't know how they can solve it. Because or even you know Owen Watkins is a strong player and a big ball carrier as is Ben John. No, but they're not exactly um, Jamie Roberts. Not that I'm saying you need Jamie Roberts because you know that's a limited that's a limited way of playing in another way, but they need somebody to get over the game line. Where's Ashley no. Beck? Um,
3: Inger- he was injured. He, is is, he-,
4: but he was at the um Champions Cup launched today so I assume he's got to be close to being fit and he will help but as you say, they, in many ways the Blues and the Ospreys could do with swapping a couple of their centres around between them because they've got <laughs> they could do with a little bit of Polynesian flair
2: because
4: yeah. at the moment they've sort of got a lot of very one-paced sort of quite predictable particularly 13s like Ashley Beck's a class player, I fucking adore him but he need, can't stay fit Corey right. Allen is Corey Allen. Ben John is Ben John. I think I had the Kieran Fonatier I thought was going to be very good. He's not really, he's not really done anything since he turned up. And it's you know, it's a lot of this is recruitment. But yeah. I don't and know
0: they're not they playing just, the game. You know, if you're going to pick, if you're going to buy Southern Hemisphere players like Kieran Fonatier, you yeah. need to play rugby that he wants to play. It's yeah. the same as Hal hollow and Ray Lilo. Mm. It's pointless asking those two to crash the ball at the middle. They've never played rugby like
4: that. Yeah. You know, they you look kins- at the difference when they do.
1: They
4: when yeah. the Blues were at their best last season, it was when they basically took any of the blinkers off halaholo and Lilo and just said, go and be Polynesian boys and do what you do best. And they were cutting teams to bits. Yeah. But it's the defence that alarms me, the Ospreys. They don't seem to care about that either. And that's like never happened. It's like it's, it's just top to bottom. I don't know what the solution is because I don't even think the stacking team, like sacking Tandy is going to solve all the problems because there, the, there are too many players that don't fit together there. The recruitment doesn't seem to make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. And the biggest problem is obviously money. You know, we're always talking about recruitment, but these guys can only buy what they can afford. And at the moment the Welsh budgets are a bit more happy shopper than Harrods, let's face it. And it's you know, very
4: true. But that's, the, the that, look at the players they've bought. They've bought reputation instead yeah. of players that fit. And like fair play like it pains me to say fair play to the Scarlets, but fair play <laughs> to the Scarlets, you know, they've <laughs> not got any more monies than the Ospreys, but they've picked they've signed really smart players for their system whereas we've signed you know signed bradley davis signed dan lidiot signed brendan leonard you know it signed Corey allen signed james hook i'm not saying that any of these are bad players but it's like they've gone for signing players that are big names that people will recognize instead of signing you know the best flank of the ospreys have signed in the last five years was one they didn't even mean to sign which was san Underhill.
0: Exactly, and uh, do you know the weird thing with the Scarlets, which rarely gets mentioned. You're always talking about the backline, but they've got the Welsh front row. Yeah. Right. So the, you know the Scarlets, they're not built on this fancy Dan backline. They're built on the, on the Welsh front row. And you look at the Blues. You know, you've got forty year old tight head, and then nothing in between. <laughs> you, you're down to twenty two year olds. You know, so there are no twenty six year old players to fill that sort of experience gap. Mm. And it's a similar sort of situation at the Ospreys where they they haven't got that sort of middle level of front rows. And at the Blues, you know, and I know they're really unlucky because they had to to sell Van der Merwer, but they haven't got any, like, not many legitimate locks. They're playing number sixes at four and five, and that just won't work in the winter. As soon as it starts raining, it might be all right on that pitch (laughs) that they've got on the 4G, but as soon as it gets wet, you know, you need... 19 stone 6 foot 6 locks at some stage just to start mangling bodies at the rucks and they just don't have that No
4: it's very true So that's something
3: to look forward to then Mm. (laughs) You've dragged me down I know you're meant to be the ray of sunshine here Paul I know
4: (laughs) Right then So so Blues fans get ready it's going to get even worse (laughs) once the weather gets shit
3: And Osprey's fans, you've still got to play the Dragons and they've just won and they're probably going to beat
4: you. Yeah, they're the second best team in Wales right now.
0: You know, let's let's talk about the Dragons really quickly. They do deserve a little bit of praise. I know they're not exactly competitive at the moment, but to win the two games they have, I I think things have changed quite a lot of the Dragons in the last five months. And Bernard Jackman's... um, He deserves a little hat tip. I think he got a lot of flack last week. I think I said last week, actually. He He got a
4: load of shit for basically changing his entire team for that game out in Ulster. But all of his first 15 then had a fortnight off. And they come back and they smash the Kings. And they've got a load of confidence and a load of stuff to build on going into that big game against the Blues next week.
0: And he's only got about 16 and a half players anyway. Yeah. You know, he hasn't got a deep squad of boys out on loan. What you see is what you've got, and um, yeah, you know, they're
4: getting. You know, he's got, having to call in bloody loan players from Bristol. I play second. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah, you're technically threatening Palamo's understudy. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> you know, they are absolutely they're scraping beyond the bottom of the barrel. You know, they're having to get in players who are not getting games at a club in the English Championship on loan. That's the level that they're working at. And for them to be winning anything is fair is is a great achievement for them. And certainly they're looking like the most the second most coherent region in Wales at the moment, which is remarkable when you think about it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So what did I learn for the weekend as well? Luther Burrell's playing very well, <clears throat> again. However, he should not attempt long passes. No. <laughs> no. You know, know your it's limits, Luther. I know you I know you get I know your tail's up a bit, it? like, but calm yourself.
4: Yeah, for the first time in about two years, Luther Burrell has not looked like an absolute shambles, but he shouldn't get carried away with that because, yeah.
3: Northampton Big is very... Lad. Once again, I'm, it's all evidence to my scientific theory that basically it's all to do with that fucking radioactive kit. <laughs> They've only had a terrible performance in that kit. Stay out of that uh, kit.
4: They also beat, They did beat London Irish away in that kit, though. So. No, stop it. But London Irish doesn't count, really. That's the
3: exception that proves the rule, London Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else but to learned? Yeah. before we wrap this up? Um, Italian
4: rugby's on the up.
3: Yeah, I had that yeah. down as what I've learned as well.
4: Like, if the Pro 14, as it now is, was a good old-fashioned ladder instead of the two conferences, Zebra would be above the Dragons, the Blues, the Ospreys, Connacht and the Kings.
0: Oh, that's top mats. I love that. <laughs>
4: it's it's just but it's mad. Like yeah. I know I know they say you shouldn't look at a table until it's like ten games in because it doesn't it's all lies up until then, but they're playing like they were really good against Ulster. They're playing some lovely rugby. They're defending really well. They got a bit of luck, but you know <laughs> it compared to what has been. Well when you consider are, that
0: they didn't get paid during the summer.
3: Yeah. Yeah, God
0: They've done really well. I've just got one more Go. really fantastic thing that I love from the weekend, and that was Henry Fraser being on Jonathan Ross.:
3: No, oh, I didn't see that, or was he? Oh great. Yeah
0: He was on the Jonathan Ross show. And you know that guy, I know inspiration is a bit of a horrible word and it's very overused. but I spend quite a lot of my day bitching about how shit my life is. <laughs> right? And it isn't. And when you see what that guy's gone through. And how he's come out the other end and achieved what he has is fantastic. And to see him on Jonathan Ross, you know, that's a real achievement. I thought it was fantastic. Not essentially rugby-related, but sort of. But
4: it is. And I know you're yeah. totally right. The, guy, the the attitude the guy's got, and people like Matt Habson as well, like, it's it does make you feel like a very shit, whingy little human being sometimes, doesn't it? But, Dreadful.
0: Uh, I feel <laughs>
3: awful. Are they as inspirational as Ale Brew at Bath, though? I don't think no, so. That
4: well,
0: is, no. That is Gandhi like though. There's, <laughs> there's, not much abo- there's not much above that.
3: Aled Gandhi Brew. And on that note, Didn't we'll leave what? what you what we learned for the weekend. What oh, we yes. learn mostly is that Aled brews like Gandhi. Thank you, Paul.
1: <laughs> if you're off to the UK for a match, you can't guarantee a good result. But you can guarantee 0% commission on your sterling with OnPost. Get it in cash or on the handy OnPost Money Currency Card. You don't even need to pre-order. Just drop into your local post office and pick up your sterling today. Terms and conditions apply. OnPost Money Currency Card is issued by PPS EUA, pursuant to licence by Mastercard International. PPS EUA is authorised by the National Bank of Belgium and is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland for conduct of business rules. ACAST recommends podcasts we love changemakers is a new podcast series with me claire mckenna Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now.
3: I believe you've got a Would You Rather, Josh.
4: I have indeed. Uh, would you rather? I'm really Paul to still be here for this because it's about style. Would you rather <laughs> swap haircuts with Lagovi Mula Pola forever? Or purchase a season ticket for Sean Holly's latest run of after dinner sing song engagements.
3: Um, and I think is the fact that I purchased a ticket means I wouldn't necessarily have to go, but I would have to wear the, I would have to wear the hair.
4: I mean, I would, I would stress that if you bought the ticket, you got to go, you got to attend every single one.
3: All oh, right, okay. I still, I still think I'd probably go for that one because I couldn't do it with the hair, <laughs> and I look really, really bad in hats. So I couldn't even cover the hair up.
4: There's no hat that can contain that. No, hair there isn't anyway, either. But so. even
3: so, even if I did, it would be an absolute joke of a thing. So I could maybe sneak some headphones into Holly and just put something else on without anybody telling me.
4: Yeah, maybe. I, I thought mean, I <laughs> thought
3: of Sean Holly today because Nick Knowles has got an album out, hasn't
4: he? Yes, I assume that. Of sure. DIY What SOS I enjoyed man. particularly about that Nick Knowles thing was the revelation that he had. Um, hung out with Biffy Clyro after the NME awards, and and sat in a hotel on a hotel in the rooftop bar, just playing songs until four o'clock in the morning
3: with Biffy Clyro.
4: Which tells me one thing, and that is that Nick Knowles must smoke a lot of dope. Because
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, a friend of mine. Well, no
4: proof of that, by the way, for legal reasons. But a friend of mine. Four o'clock in the morning, Biffy Clyro, hotel, acoustic sing song.
3: Friend of mine's brother is a plasterer, and he's done DIY SOS with Nick oh, Knowles. Really? And he said the la- you know Nick can put away a few pints, yes, and stay when up was... quite late.
4: Yeah, when I was at uni in Cardiff, I think he was doing some thing like he was like it was cooking in prison type level thing, something to do with Cardiff prison. <laughs> but he was in um, a pub in Cardiff, uh, around the corner from. Anyway, uh, they that's that's
3: stayed in pretty much every day when we went there. So uh, Enough of yeah. the massive-headed, housewives favourite Nick Knowles. Yes. And I don't mean that as in he's got an ego. I mean, he's literally got a massive head. He is a big old head. Uh shit good? Before that, can I tell you something? You can. I went to sale on Friday. You did? And, um, and I did the whole press thing. And then afterwards, when you go upstairs, there's upstairs after the game. You might have done this because you've probably done press at games as well. It was all new to me. Upstairs after the game, you go up to the suite, you know, the kind of, you know, the, whatever they're called. The Corporate people. Yeah, yes. they're up there, and all the players are having a bit of a buffet and all mm. that. Gloucester looked upset. Anyway, they're having lamb, and they're having, they're, they're, it's lamb and potatoes. I've been there for a while. I'm busting for a toilet, so I nip down this little corridor off the main thing, which is where mm. the toilets are, at which point David Humphreys is stood there. And he's of chatt- he is. yeah, and he's chatting with a guy in a sales shark's jacket, right? And he's saying, and this is what he's saying: he's saying, he's saying, there's no fish fingers on that buffet. He says, he says, he said, yeah, Johan's desperate for fish fingers. It's all he eat. We had, we made a terrible, terrible mistake when he first moved to Gloucester because. The Asda delivery came and it was all normal food and all he wanted was fish fingers and we've lost fifty seven ten and there's no fish fingers there and he's going to come up here and he's going to go absolutely fucking mad with me so you need to fucking get us some fish fingers <laughs> and this this sale fella is looking at me he said he said well we, I'm, I'm sorry mate we've we've had no order for any fish fingers and, and are you not really hot in that sleeping bag and he said <laughs> you never mind my coat you need to sort these fish fingers out at which point johan comes around the corner doesn't he oh fuck well yeah and johan <laughs> johan says humphreys There are no fish fingers on... No, (laughs) get the accent right. There's no fish fingers on that buffet. It's just lamb and potatoes, and I want fish fingers on the buffet. He said, look, Johan, I'm trying to sort it out. You can't blame me. We're meant to tell people what's going on. Seriously. And Johan says, and anyway, I can't understand why you lag like an immersion tank, David. And he says, never mind my coat. You need to sort out the fish fingers. (laughs) So this is going on. And then through this sort of like entrance bit, Steve Diamond turns up from this like staff thing and he says, All right, lads, how's it going? What the fuck are you doing hanging out of this fucking corridor like this? Like, and he says, "And he says, There's no fish fingers on the buffet. He says, What the fuck's that got to do with me? And David says, It's got a lot to do with you, Steve. This is your club. And we've been told that these fish fingers were going to get sorted out. He said, Well, all right, we'll sort it out, will we? What the fuck hell's your problem? And by the way, why are you wrapped in a duvet with your fucking head sticking out the top? <laughs> And at which point, David goes, I have had enough of this now. I'm going back to the coach. I'm not sorting this out anymore. At which point then, Ruan sticks his head around the corner and he says, and he says, Dad, are you worried there's no... I'm still in the Irish accent. I've lost it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he says,
4: Dad... I didn't realise he- that he- Ruan was born in Ireland. No, I no on
3: the no, I'm, I'm, I'm locked in the Irish one now. Ruan sticks his head around the corner. And he says, there's no shit fingers on the buffet, Dad. And Johan says, these people are fucking with the wrong people. At which point, I had to go in the toilet. I was too bursting then. But I did hear him punching a door off its hinges. Wow. So there you go. A bugger for fish fingers.
4: This thing, it it does go to show the sort of access that you get in these post-match things. It is true, because
3: I would never have known. And obviously, Johan was in a foul mood anyway.
4: Obviously. I mean, I I also enjoyed how... uh, Steve Diamond has essentially become Liam Gallagher in your retelling of it. <laughs> well,
3: that's and... what it talks like, innit? <laughs> I
4: suppose so, yeah.
3: Anyway, let's do the Shuggy ratings.
4: Yes. Should we start with Shitwatch? Because...
3: Oh, yeah, it... I forgot all yeah. about that. Yeah, let's do that. You can yeah, do that, because 16... you've remembered and I 16 haven't.
4: 16 days for Connacht now. Lost to Scarlets. They actually played very well, um, but the Scarlets are better than them and were at home, so they lost. Next up, Ulster, away, then, 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 Mm -hmm. Oiena,
3: Yeah, that's the real dreamland, isn't it? And then it's... Oiena
4: away and Worcester at home. It's the Worcester one we want, isn't it? I I could leave the
3: Oiena one, it's the Worcester one that I want. Yeah,
4: I want Worcester to have it. I want Worcester to take it down to the championship with them. Um, Yes, so 16 days now for Connacht to be in possession of... uh, the Cuthbert Police on Cup, the shit watch title. It it rolls on as it always does. Oh, I always forget to mention actually. If you'd like to follow the exploits of the Cuthbert oh, yes. Police on Cup, um, follow at the CP Cup on Twitter, which I occasionally forget exists for long periods of time, but then also sometimes update as well. So, you know, yeah. Roll roll the dice. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll remember to put it up there. Maybe I won't.
3: Do you want to do shit first, given that uh, we've you know oh, just done yeah. the CPC? probably should.
4: Um, Israel Falau. I dislike Man Buns as much as the next man, but come on.
3: As somebody said on Twitter, I've got a lot of respect for everyone and I respect everybody. I just don't agree with Man Buns.
4: I'm fine with that, but you don't need to yank a man across the pitch by his. That's a little bit unnecessary, I feel.
3: Did you see how much uh, Checker completely lost his shit in the interview afterwards when asked about
4: I it as know. well? No, it's like, yeah, he, okay, it started on his collar, but by the end he was pulling him into touch by his man bun. <laughs> that <laughs> is kind of not acceptable.
3: And Curtsy completely lost his shit as well when asked about uh, the coach going <clears throat> to Monster as well. It just seemed it was a very tense yeah, press conference. Everyone was in
4: terrible mood after that game, which is weird because they. So neither of them should be terribly know, unhappy yeah. about it, surely.
3: I feel I got off lightly with Joanne and the fish fingers. Yeah. Well, that's just shit for me. watts versus Bath. Have you ever seen two supposedly top-end teams play so badly in, I, pri- in a prime-time TV shot?
4: tell you the God's honest truth. I fell asleep five minutes into the second half. And did not wake up.
3: When you become a certain age, it is difficult when you're on your couch of a weekend afternoon to to keep those uh, peepers open. It must be said.
4: Yeah, I mean, I sort of lay down. I'll I'll be honest with you, I was on a stag in Birmingham the night before and I hadn't had a lot of sleep. But, however, even so, I don't usually fall asleep when I'm watching rugby because even a shit game sort of engages me to some level. But it was just terrible. All the tries were rubbish. All were sort of not really. They didn't. There wasn't any great craft about it. It was just like, yeah, uh, yeah. It was an. It was one of the most meh games of all meh.
3: And speaking but of one, so yeah, fair play Well, there you me. go. Speaking of to Wasp, Rob Jones got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Wood, and he said Lawrence Delalio on BT Sport was oh, shit. Obviously, oh
4: god, he did. while I was awake, he annoyed me <laughs> profoundly.
3: It's such a shame. Everything was do wrong is a shame. No, it's not a shame. <laughs> yeah. That's an infrin- <laughs> that's, that's called an infringement, is what that's called. Yeah.
4: It's exactly the same when he's on ITV doing England coverage. Everything, if England concede a penalty, it's a shame. If England fucks yeah. something up, it's a shame.
3: Very, very irritating. It's, it
4: yeah. is profoundly irritating. Like, he's just not capable of seeing... Like, I get it, you know, but if you're not capable of at least pretending that you're being fair and balanced. Just don't do it. Just don't be, like, I don't need to watch a load of cheerleaders. Like, save that for the, be an analyst. like, be a man in the studio afterwards. Then you can be as biased as you want. Yeah. But while the game's actually going on, oof. Um Other shits go. for me, Billy 12 Trees, stop oh. throwing it to the other team, Billy.
3: <laughs> Honest to God, it was, I was up close to it, and I mean, three interception passes, but really, he was just, honestly, they just. They looked like they were gutted. I mean, lit, and I don't mean upset, like they've yeah. been gutted of all sense and heart and pride. <laughs> it was awful, which is a horrible thing yeah. to say because I'm sure they were trying. Yeah. But it but was really bad. It. it was really no. bad.
4: Speaking of players who look like they've lost all heart and will and desire, <laughs> um, Paul mentioned it earlier. Keelan Giles... Amazing last season, but on on Friday night the cheaters just exposed him defensively over and over again, and and it, it continues a theme of young players and young talented players at the Ospreys looking massively out of sorts this year. Sam Davis looks like he's regressed about a hundred fucking years from where he was, even with Wales at the summer. It's very odd.
3: Indeed. What else we got? Shit from Twitter. Frank Ridgen got in touch on Twitter. This isn't rugby related. He said shit was losing my job over the weekend. Well, oh, I'm delicious. very, very sorry that's happened to you, Frank, honestly. But I wanted to get, the fact you, you told us that made me want to read it out to you and I wish you all the best yeah. in the future. I really do. Um, what else have we got that's shit here? John Wynn said shit was Sinclair's wandering fingers.
4: Yeah, we haven't talked about that, but mm, naughty boy.
3: Yeah, I got into a bit of a discussion with Flatman on Twitter after this because on the because hmm. Durden Smith said to Flatman on the Channel Five Islands, he said, "Why would players do this?" Now Flatman, to be fair, said, "Well, he should be banned." But in answer, he said, "Well, these guys are on the edge, and it's testosterone and it's stuff like that." And it was weird because it, and I don't think I'm not sure this is what he meant, but it came across that he was almost saying it's understandable that it happens, and it's actually yeah. more you should almost. He said it's a positive; it doesn't happen that often which I found like a really strange position to be in. Mm. It's Because for me, I, I did go back to him and say this, and I said, well, that sounds like saying, well, it's, it's a positive they don't bite each other's fingers off because they're on the edge so much. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? There's a point at which you say, well, actually, it's not, no matter how pumped up and how competitive you are, there are things you just don't do.
4: Yeah, and I mean, just because you are a professional rugby player doesn't mean that you sort of, a sort of vacate all expected standards of normal human behaviour.
3: Yeah, I mean it's a physical like, game. You've got to be pumped yeah, up, and you an do you dish out you, are, you dish out punishment. Not, not totally. Of course you do. But there's there's something that crosses. The, it's the, the Callum Clark armbar thing. There's something that crosses a line to go. Well, actually, no, that's not normal. That's yeah. not about being on the edge or worked up. That's not normal. And I'm not saying Cal has done it. I've not seen the video enough, and obviously it's he's, he's still to be on through the sighting process I'm not saying that I'm just saying yeah. it's a general point it
4: doesn't look it doesn't look great but
3: yeah we'll see yeah we'll see we'll see anything else shit from you
4: um, no shit from Twitter uh, I enjoyed um, Rhiannon Garth Jones saying shit the Scarlet scoring more po- having more points than the Blues the Dragons and the Ospreys combined if you want to know about feast and famine in Welsh <laughs> rugby at the moment that is it
3: they are quite uh a band apart, aren't they, the yeah,
4: Scarlets? It's it, they're almost playing a different sport. I and mean, in case of the Ospreys, <laughs> they are absolutely playing a different sport.
3: What else have we got that's shit, if anything, here? No, that's probably it. Any good?
4: Oh, good. Oh, you want good now. Do you want some more shit? Well, have you
3: got, if you've got more shit, then fine, I, I haven't. So,
4: um, I enjoyed Paul Johns on Twitter saying, Barrett Barrett's between the legs pass. <laughs> Which is just shameless showboat copying of the one that Carl Spencer did to Rock of Ergo in like in 2007, which may be true, but it was still quite impressive, I thought.
3: It is true, and you and you and Paul before went off on one about Barrett and about how he's not a showboater, and I didn't want to jump in because it would have been too awkward with the three of us. But I think he is quite a showboater. I think there's, there's, there's you need. He's a
4: showboat, but in he's. he's... He's not doing unnecessarily Hollywood things all the time. Apart from that, apart from that scissor apart. Pass
3: versus South Africa, which was completely unnecessary given his pace, well, it's
4: but it's not like he's doing sort of crazy like Carl, we're comparing it to Carlos Spencer. He's not doing no. that sort of ridiculous shit. Well, Carlos he's Spencer just, like, was borderline
3: doing... ill. You can't hold that against him. <laughs> he was so <laughs> un- unable to stop it from happening. What else have we got this uh, shit? Anything?
4: Uh Colin McBride said everything about Ulster, which oh, yeah. is a bit harsh.
3: You, have, you haven't know. even tipped them this year.
4: <clears throat> no, uh, this has nothing to do with me this time. I thought they'd be a bit crap this year, to be honest. So. I,
3: I, I, I kept quiet about sale this year, and I'm still going to keep quiet about sale. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Speaking of sale, moving on to good quickly, what was good? Bryn Evans. The second mm. rower for sale. I've not seen him up close much. Looks just like Josh Strauss from a distance, which is quite disconcerting. Massive and with a beard. Yes. Uh, obviously, with a name like Bryn Evans, you'd think Gatlin's Law would be coming, but he's a Kiwi. Mm. And um, mm. But their line-out, remember, sh- remember when it was so bad the other week that Steve Diamond threatened to take his hooker off live on television? Yes, yeah. Well, (laughs) this they destroyed the Gloucester lineup this week, and everything about Bryn Evans looked very, very impressive to me, including Mm. he was out wide, he was uh, joining, he was linking play up, and everything really, really good.
4: Do you think you think Sale are going to be good this year then?
3: I think, fully enough, I I said to because the defence looked pretty good, Mm. and I did say to Diamond afterwards, I said, your line speed looked pretty good. Um, is that because your defense is doing very well, or because, let's be honest, what you're playing against wasn't testing you that much? And he said it was a bit of both. But he made the very big point himself. He said, "Look, you know, let's be honest. We've got a problem with playing away. We have an away venue problem." Mm. And he said, "And we can't solve that unless we can get the defense working better." And they've got they've got this Romanian prop Taurus, he's called. And he said, "I think <laughs> Diamond said he said he said last week. Literally, he said he didn't know what he was doing." <laughs> he said so he's literally didn't know what he was doing. So basically, a bollock for sure, I bollock Mike for sure, and he came in and this week, he knows where to stand, and that means we can get a line speed going. So I'm not sure I've answered the question there, but I think from speaking to him, what he was saying is if you look at the actual playing staff, you've got McGinty, Fafter Clerk, by the way, up close. Ooh, tiny as well, like five foot three. Little oh, tiny really? person, yeah. Um, he's probably a bit taller than that, but he's a very small person. What you notice about him when you see him live, he can move backwards and sideways the same speed he moves forwards. You know that kind of top-class yeah. scum half thing where he's in every direction he moves like lightning? Yeah. Um. And I think he'll add something to the game. McGinty seems to be playing a world better than he did last year.
4: But he's actually playing now, isn't he? He's not having yeah. to the,
3: sort of... Josh Strauss percent. carried the ball really well. Uh, Brent Evans plays pretty well. That Byron McGuigan looks a handful. Who they found in Namibia somewhere, I believe. But he's Scottish. Byron McGuigan? Byron McGuigan. Okay. <laughs> the winger with a beard. <laughs> but no, anyway, yeah. I think I, th- from what I saw, and again, again, it wasn't a great test, and they've still got the away problem. But in terms of a kernel of something that could be good, I think they've got it. Yeah. Fair
4: play. Well, we shall see.
3: We shall see. What have you got as good? Um.
4: Good. Uh, Dan Birdle on Twitter said uh, good is Glasgow's 100% start to the season, which we haven't spoken about Glasgow much just because nope. they've quietly gone about the business
3: of being You know why? Excellent. It's because we don't tend to look at things that are, that are just gently competent. Yeah. We Glasgow tend to look at extremely utterly... good or very bad that we can laugh at. Yeah. Them.
4: Glasgow have been utterly undramatic in their excellence
3: this season. Um, which just stinks of Dave Rennie, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, and they they played very well uh, again on the weekend, and Peter Horn was really good actually. Like they've got two very good tens now, which has got to be a benefit to them. Mm. They're just yeah, they they could well win the league again, or they could not. <laughs> but so <laughs> yeah, I'm not this now. They can't say that I'm accusing of cursing them That's by true. saying it could, go, one, it could go one way could go the other um good from actual me yeah. um steph evans
3: yeah somebody he's else on twitter mentioned that fucking as well good mind he can't stop
4: scoring he can't stop assisting tries either which is always a very encouraging thing for a winger i think he's assisted more tries than anyone else in the pro 14 this season
3: michael um, welsh boy mick also said on twitter that he was a Extremely good. The boy is magic, is what uh, Michael said. He is.
4: He should 100% be. like George North is starting to look like he's getting back to his old self a little bit. Wonderful leg drive try.
3: Did you see that at the weekend from George North? Yeah. (laughs) Dead or alive, you lot are coming with me.
4: (laughs) Yeah. One thing George North has never lacked is power.
3: Not in the lower (laughs) regions of his uh, body either.
4: (laughs) Once those things start going. um, But yeah, I, I think... Steph Evans should be starting for Wales in the autumn um, whether he will or not remains to be seen but um, speaking of players actually who were, went to Northampton for their careers to die but now play, seem to have recovered a little bit, JJ Hanrahan was really fucking good for Munster on the weekend
3: yeah, yeah oh, the
4: tries. Like, it was not something I'd have said for the last two years but he looked very good at 12, he looked rapid and I don't really understand where that came from
3: what else have I got that's good? Mark Lambert's carrying the prop for Harlequins. I don't know if you saw him. Mm. Carries very, 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 very well. And that's all I've got to say about that.
4: Yeah, what more do you need to say <laughs> about that, really? Um, good for me, Super Gavin Henson. Yes. Uh, it's It's no coincidence that the dragons have looked bloody good. When he's been at ten, if if they can keep him fit this year, which has always been the, the problem with Gav really since, 2008 ish, um, he's still, probably the best like a passing ten in Wales.
3: That's some probably... of
4: the like, some of the lovely little fat passes and offloads that he was putting in for oh, the Dragons. He's, on, he's never lacked on the, for
3: class, has he? Sumptuous. he's no, never he is for class, still
4: though. an incredibly classy player.
3: But I was chatting he to somebody the other day, was a, a huge Henson fan, a uh, guy locally around here. He said, "Do you think? Do you think you'll be involved in Wales again?" I said, "No." He said, and he said, "Well, I don't think Gatland likes him." I said, "Well, you've just answered your question." Then he said, "Yeah, but." When Gatlin goes, I think he'll be straight back in there. It's like, Gatlin's got like two years left on his contract. Uh,
4: Gatland will be going in 2019, Gavin Henson will be 37 years old <laughs> exactly.
3: by that point. <laughs> so did you say whatever you want, He's not going to pick a 37... Whoever comes in, he's not going to pick a 37-year-old. Oh, it's, exactly,
4: it's not building for the future, is it? No,
3: not really. But it's a wonderful idea that he might be called again, but of course he won't be.
4: No. I mean, part of me would love him to get a little nod in the autumn, just to... Uh, yeah, just a boxing off.
3: Just a boxing off. How many now. caps has Gav got? How many caps has Gav got? I imagine he's in the forties.
4: And I would like him just to get fifty.
3: He has got thirty-three caps. Has he only got thirty-three caps. He has. Fuck me. So that's yeah, there's a no depressed. chance of getting near fifty. Thirty-three caps. One well, no. Right?
4: Stop playing in that's...
3: 2011. That was his last cap. That's fucking
4: depressing. That is now. Remember that game? It's a World Cup warm-up against. The... England where he broke his arm. Yeah,
3: he has, a bit, he, he has had a bad twice. five years, hasn't he? Well, one, he's Terrible. moved around, but also he's, he's been in and out with injuries, hasn't
4: he? No, he's, t- he's a top scorer in the Pro 12 so far this season.
3: Is he? Yes.
4: I mean, I know it's only five games in, but...
3: There is an element of fuck it, I'll do it myself. Oh, massively Bra- Dragons so. there. but That's, I suppose, a worry for him and for Dragons, really. But uh...
4: but if he's doing it well, then, you know... Yeah.
3: No, it's great to see him, and actually, there is something. Games rugby needs Gavin Ensign, like rugby needs yes. Danny Cipriani. You know? Yeah,
4: it needs like lunatics, doesn't it? Really?
3: And yeah, just and you know characters. If you don't have yeah. characters and whatever, you can't have. Well, they just be full of people who aren't characters, won't he?
4: Yeah, and and oh, I will always love him, regardless of well, of course his many will. indiscretions. But it's uh, yeah, no. I think he... it's,
3: it's it's a shame, really. I think when you look, back, I said this when the week you were off and Mike Bubbins was on. I, you know, the, he just seemed badly handled. I think maybe if he'd have given a bit more responsibility earlier, it might have changed or something. Or maybe he'd have always been sucked up into that culture. He got sucked up into who knows, but possibly it seems his... a missed opportunity to me in many ways. His career, no,
4: his um, uh, his thing is 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 going to be one of the great tragedies of our age in terms of rugby is unfulfilled potential is uh, yeah, I mean he
3: did okay but it he, could have he, been he, so he, much better Wells
4: haven't won a Grand Slam since without him in the side
3: Wells right then anything else yes
4: um, one more thing which just uh, which I love with you I'm just putting in because uh, it amused me um, again off Twitter which I'm Oh, for God's sake, I'm scrolling down to it now, um, is, where has that gone? This is incredibly Dynamite this Here we go, Robbie <laughs> Owen, uh, Squidgy Goat on Twitter right, yeah. said, good, the Ospreys were simply losing a rugby match this week rather than putting on performance art that caused me de- uh, depression and existential dread. Yes, indeed. I'm right there with you. And somebody also said, "Why the fuck did this game kick off at four o'clock in the afternoon?" Which, again, I am right there with you. Yeah, because on it's a the same Friday time afternoon. zone,
3: isn't it? It's not like it. <laughs> yeah,
4: and even if they're an hour behind, that still means they kicked off at five o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Kick it
3: off at seven. What's wrong with that? I no wonder. That South African economies in the toilets—they're all knocking off work to watch bloody rugby. Yeah, at five exactly. O'clock on a Friday.
4: Well, they fucking wouldn't. Do you see the crowd? Oh, I know. Yeah,
3: but the, the crowds were terrible everywhere. Somebody actually said, uh, "Nobody." Links to on, yeah, on Twitter the, the was it. The... Photo of that? Western Curry Province Cup versus Bulls or something was yeah,
4: which is one of the biggest games in, um, in the Currie Cup and in South African rugby. And yeah, it's just it's bizarre how badly that's gone for. Nobody wants to go and fucking watch rugby in in South Africa. What what's gone wrong there?
3: Yeah. So sorry, I can't remember who sent that picture through, but thank you. It was very interesting. Yes. And on that note, is there anything else?
4: No, I think that's that's pretty much me done.
3: All right, me too. Thank you, everybody, and we'll speak to you all next week. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody.
1: If you're off to the UK for a match, you can't guarantee a good result. But you can guarantee 0% commission on your sterling with OnPost. Get it in cash or on the handy OnPost money currency card. You don't even need to pre-order. Just drop into your local post office and pick up your sterling today. Terms and conditions apply. On Plus Money Currents Card is issued by PPS USA pursuant to licence by Mastercard International. PPS USA is authorised by the National Bank of Belgium and is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland for conduct of business rules. Sports Social Podcast Network
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty,